Sex and lust are common themes in Prince's music, and the track we'll be talking about on this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast is It from the Sign of the Times album. Joining me to talk about It is Roy Turner. Hey, man. Thank you for ha- having me back. Uh, uh, excited. We had such a good time uh, in February. Uh, and so, the, you know, as you know, this song is means a lot to me. It was my first, um, I guess, submission or... Uh, iteration is part of the uh, the Purple Avengers, as we're calling ourselves, uh, the Twitter threads, the mega threads, uh, mm-hmm. and we were as they were trying to do the Sound of the Times Super Deluxe box set. Uh, they asked me what song I wanted to do, or better yet, I insisted that I get to do it. <laughs> yes. Yep. And so we're doing it today, and you're my guest. So um, yeah, it's the fifth track from the Sound of the Times album's first disc. Uh, it was recorded in May of 86, so these are just some of the housekeeping facts about the song, which is like 35 years ago, May of 86, and now it's May of 2021, so we've got a 35-year-old song that we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it never gets old, though, and, and, and the reason why it never gets old is because it's so unique in, a, in an already incredibly unique body of work on that his most unique uh uh and expansive set it's when i when i wrote on the thread i wrote that it's this incredibly strange microcosm that's part of a larger even stranger macrocosm yeah that's a good way of putting it (laughs) yeah it's a very eclectic um it's a very eclectic album because the song that leads up to this was the ballad of dorothy parker which was kind of like a story song that, you know, also had some sexual references in it, but it was more innocent. It is kind of down and dirty, you know. This is what the song is basically about sex, you know. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> so there's really no beating around the bush on this one. Prince is really getting to the point of of what he wants to talk about in the song. He doesn't really make uh, any clever references or try to hide its intent in hidden meanings or metaphors he's talking about it which is sex plain and simple that's right, that's sure. the gist of the song but but i feel like not for long though now i i get a little i won't say annoyed but like when people start to look for things and they use they they, they bend the narrative with their own agendas like 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 you know I grew up in the 80s. I grew up in a time where people were, you know, finding hidden messages that weren't even there on backward masking, you know, all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. right. And, uh, and you know, the, what was the back cover of, of Hotel California was supposed to have its this anything that's abstract that's left up to interpretation. Usually that interpretation is always something um, sensational. And it's yeah. usually and it's always the person who's again, they've been the narrative with the with their own agenda. So I, I don't want to do that, but I, I think it is, what's so great about him is it, it, it's like, it's thinking about, about the Beatles. It's like, it's simple, simple little words, simple phrases that have a complex impact. Things like, you know, come together, give peace a chance. Who could write a song called It? And you know exactly what it is <laughs> and what he's talking about. But again, not for long. You know, like he immediately veers to... I got to tell you what you mean to me. He's making declarations. So it's not as a simple, you know, I love hair metal, but it's not like a simple song about, you know, like like a kiss song. Like, 
let's put the X in sex. I mean, it's not something where there it is. There's nothing left to the imagination. That's just, I, I think he would be, he would, I don't even know if he, if he could do that. He would be almost be incapable of doing that. So, so I, I like how the song is simultaneously, like it's like the Beatles, simplistic. And yet, uh, again, it, it, it allows itself for this greater conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so I definitely want to have that conversation with you because I think um, this song certainly is considered by many to be a very simple song in terms of what its message is and where its intent is. It's very sparsely produced, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, there's there's some stuff going on in the background. He adds some sound effects and some of those um, synthesized strings throughout the song, but it's a, just a really heavy drum machine uh, you know, he uses the Fairlight in this song, and it's 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 kind of repetitive in its music, which in some ways matches a little bit of the the themes of the song and the tone of what he's singing about. It's almost like he has this uh, kind of uh, monomaniacal um, idea of of sex that he's portraying in this song, where it's like all he can think about, it's all he can consider, and that's that to me. That's kind of like the, the general theme of the song not to say that there isn't aspects of the song and lyrics in the song and lines in the song that point to maybe something a little bit different which is where where you're going to come in roy because i think that you have some ideas that i haven't really considered before so i'm excited to talk about that when we get to it as well for sure so just another thing about it it's like this is a song that he didn't really play live and it's just like it's its entirety as it was presented on the Sign of the Times album. He liked to interpolate the song with other songs. He sometimes did it with um, When Doves Cry. He sometimes, just from like the music standpoint, he added some lyrics in with Forever in My Life during the Sign of the Times and Love Sexy tours. And then on the Diamonds and Pearls tour, he interpolated aspects of it with Thieves in the Temple. That's but right. it isn't a song like he just played, you know, the whatever, the five minute version of the song, similar to how it's presented on the album as a standalone song on stage. It just wasn't something he did. He liked to, like I said, interpolate things and just add pieces of it to um, songs to make them new or make it interesting or just to give give a, uh, the audience something familiar from the Sign of the Times album. It's like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's right. that song from Sign <laughs> right. of the Times. But, but let, let um, me say this though, I do feel like that where he, if that if that song does have any peers within the Prince catalog, and for for my money, what I what I enjoy the most, like like, you know, people would say like his best songs are songs like like Purple Rain, of course, these with these lush and these amazing, you know, his guitar work and these all different types of changes of, and I of course I love 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 that stuff, but. For me, the, the stuff that I always return to and I'm, you know, that I listen to, I think the most that isn't played for me is this very syncopated, repetitive stuff. If you, th if you look at a song, let's say like a song like Bob George, right? Well, all it is is a very simple thing like, like, it's that one change, right? Okay. Uh, automatic from 1999. It's just it's nine minutes, and it's just that expression underneath that. Okay, even uh, what's the uh, fill you up that that 
dunk dunk gun gun dunk 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 dun dunk gun gun that's it there's there's no guitar in solos in it there's no fiery melodramatic middle piece so if it has any peers I feel it will be that because that, that's stuff I always become addicted to. But but what's where it works and where it's so masterful, all those songs, but especially it. This is where he's perfected, is my point. Because because you know, um, Fill You Up was back in nineteen ninety nine days as well. We didn't hear it till later. Um, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you have, if you haven't heard the original Fill You Up demo from the nineteen ninety nine Super Deluxe box set, it's mm-hmm. masterful. But I mentioned it was because it is where he mastered that. That's that is the ultimate example of that type of, of thinking for him. And reason why I feel like it's important to mention it is because the entire song again is the same. It's it's really the same syncopated beat, but from the time it starts till the time it ends, it feels like a complete journey. It feels like something. You know, I mean, there's a lot of songs out there to put out the three-minute pop song, and even he put out three-minute pop songs. I mean, as much as I like the storytelling of Raspberry Beret and all that, I'm not sad when it ends, and I don't. <laughs> I'm not addicted to, you know, it's like you when when you live within that space of of it and songs like that, man, it's just it's it could go on forever. I mean, I mean, I, I can't get enough of what he's trying to express there, no matter how simple or profound. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, good point. He, there are definitely songs in his catalog that have a similar vibe to it when, it, when it comes to the music, you know, just finding a groove, finding a, a synth line, uh, a drum beat that kind of stays very steady and stays on the same level. And doesn't do a lot of different things with the music, which is fine because, again, as I mentioned, with a song like this, which is very heavily uh, about sex, and you can almost use it as a, uh, or think of it as a metaphor for like the the, the kind of uh, the rhythmic actions of sex, and in this song, in many ways, mimics that musically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's he's actually it's like it's uh, what do you call it? Um, I had this written down there. It's like sex on wax, right? You know what I mean? Right. It's it's, right. it's it's audio uh, intercourse, I guess, or, or electric intercourse, as he would say. <laughs> right, but no, it is. It basically is. And that's a, a very uh, interesting and kind of um, abstract way of thinking about how this song is presented to us as the listener. Um, I it's important though to say this though too is that this is this sure. is between him not having having a producer producing himself yeah. a song like it wouldn't or even those other songs like bob george whatever they would never exist if you know bob ezrin or what any of those big 70s uh guys i love those guys but if if warner brothers made like literally pushed the issue and made somebody sit in there with him uh, that were producing all those records like Bob Rock or whatever in the 1980s, that shit would have never happened. They would have said, this isn't a song. This is a demo. This is a, this is a <laughs> sparse right. thing. And what, what is so great is that somebody with his unlimited abilities, instead of taking it to those extremes and those 
uh, you get extremities, is it like he was always trying to kind of pull back and kind of find out where it worked? I mean, famously, of course, you know, he removed the bass from When Doves Cry and all that. So I, I think that that's important. I, I think that, that he understood that less is more. And he would seem like the last person to, to understand that <laughs> or right. or to be aware of that. And I think that there's no greater example of that than the song It. Yeah, there's plenty of examples of in the future where, or even in the past, where Prince maybe overproduced or added too much to a song. Yeah. This is this is not one of them. This isn't one of yeah. those songs, for sure. Yeah. Um, so looking at the, the lyrics... So the first lines of the song, because it starts off very quickly with lyrics. There's just a, a little bit of the, the drum machine, and then we get lyrics like within seconds. Yeah. Think about it, baby, all the time. All right. It feels so good, it must be a crime. All right. I want to do it, baby, every day. All right. In a bed, on the stairs, anywhere. All right. <laughs> so that's that's what we're left with at the very beginning of the song. Um, and he says it in every line. Well, the first three lines of that four-line verse. I think about it, baby. It feels so good, it must be a crime. I want to do it, baby every day so he's very much expressing the theme of the song very clearly to us as the listener in that first verse um so like with this first verse roy what what are some of the things that you know you want to maybe touch on with these lyrics well here's what i I think i i know uh you know i can't substantiate an actual date and time and and conversation but I, i i do know that this was around the time keep in mind of the whole pmrc thing there was he was hearing things like stories about things that happened before him. Like, you know, like how famously, like when the doors performed on the Ed Sullivan show and they were going to do, um, I, I forget, uh, or was it the Rolling Stones? Like, let's spend the night together. They had to change the, the song to, you had to change the kind of lyrics. You know, this is somebody that, that is the ultimate rebel. He's the, he's, he's almost kind of the original rebel in a sense. So I kind of felt like that there was, there's something about these lyrics where, he is going to be direct and non-direct at the same time to perhaps poke fun at that. Like it wouldn't be like he could be rebellious by saying being super duper, you know, dirty, like in like Shockadelica and things like that, which were also around that time. Yeah. I mean, he could say the F word instead of it. He could say that on every line. And and this would be a, uh, it would have the same impact, but it would just be way more explicit and more shocking. I don't think it would have the same impact. I think that's one thing. Again, back to the less is more. I think that anybody can get on there and say fuck, fuck, fuck this, and I fucked her, and all. You know, sorry for. I know you're you may have to bleep no. all this out on your show, but <laughs> no, I don't have to bleep these out on my good, show. Good. So it's all he, good. <laughs> he could have gotten totally nasty, like super nasty. But I, I don't know. There's just something about the way that, that that he says it. Like he's he's being very direct. But that doesn't really feel like the agenda. I don't. I don't really feel like the agenda of the song that he's trying. What he's trying to express is, "Hey, girl, you didn't know this, but I want to. I want to screw you. 
all the time. I mean, like anywhere, like a literal conversation. To me, you know, as literal as it sounds, I don't think that there's anything literal about this song. I think it's it's it's, it's very abstract because again, immediately veers off into this whole idea. Uh, and look at those lyrics next, whatever, uh, which will, I won't get ahead of you. But I feel like that he immediately veers into something else that 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 takes takes you in a different direction that where you're not really thinking about sex anymore. Interesting, because I really always kind of took the song to be almost like a an expression of like obsession of, of sex. And like he's like a man who is obsessed with the ideas of it, with the thoughts of it, with the. Um, the concepts behind it, the pursuit of it. That's what I've always kind of taken the song to be. So um, I'm interested to hear your theories on on maybe some alternate ideas about this song because that's really what I've always gotten from this song. So let's get into the next version of lyrics. baby all the time all right because when we do it girl it's so divine all right so he's again um talking he uses the word it to describe sex again as he does throughout the song when we do it girl it's so divine so basically here i just get like uh him kind of using divine as a more of a descriptive term that elicits a bit more of a uh, religious thoughts sure, you know, sure. when, I, when i think of divine i think of almost you know divine in in its religious context not so much sure. in a sexual context which again he's he's done that throughout his career uh, mixing the imagery between religion and sex in you know intertwining them uh, seamlessly <laughs> throughout his career and throughout his lyrics so yeah. that's not really that surprising for him to do that here but then the next verse. be guilty for my honesty all right but i've got to tell you what you mean to me all right with you i swear i'm a maniac all right you see it ain't no joke just a natural fact all right so, so let me let me hear your thoughts now on this clarify there i thought so to me i always heard it as i won't feel guilty for my honesty is that not the the, the cor- actual correct lyric have i been hearing that wrong for 35 years well, let me, uh, so I'm going off of a website. Let me go grab my Sign of the Times um, disc. I'll be right back and we'll, we'll clarify that. Because okay. that's a whole different context there. All right. What does the lyrics sheet say from the CD? Let's find out. That was the whole thing back then, too. Remember how you would, like, listen to the music and you'd hold the lyric sheet if, if there was one? And there wasn't always there wasn't always one with his stuff. Right, right. And so I thought, I thought it was always really cool when you could find that because in some songs, 
we needed it <laughs> to yeah. really know what he was saying. All right, so let me see here. Could be guilty for my, I could be guilty for my honesty. All right, but I've got to tell you what you mean to me. All right. Okay, so kind of the same thing. So, so, so I always thought it was like a defunct. Like I won't feel guilty, but I I could feel guilty. But he's still kind of saying the same thing. But but I'm not. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I could I could be guilty for my honesty. So what I take from that is because he's being so blunt and so truthful with his intentions in the song. Like I just want to do it all the time. I want to do it every day. That he some would say maybe like maybe you shouldn't express that maybe that's a thought you should just keep in your head <laughs> prince <laughs> right. but instead he's saying well i guess i'm guilty for being honest you know and so that's kind of how i take that line but i've got to tell you what you mean to me is the next line though that one's kind of interesting it is because he says he goes i got to tell you what you mean to me all right so i think that the, there's there's a part where the lyric doesn't mean anything where it's just a device to fit the syncopation in in this in this case, and he does this a lot in his in his music, and a lot, especially around that time, is he'll he'll find a way to kind of sum it up. He'll kind of put the exclamation point at the end of the sentence, as it were. This is kind of a James Brown type kind of thing. This is like Prince's version of the, ha, you know what I mean? The the James Brown, you know, I or the ha thing, because this is what this is the school that he comes from. Mm -hmm. So, beginning and ending or wrapping it up with all right doesn't really mean anything. It might as well not even be a lyric. You see what I'm saying? It just it's just a way to put a bow on it. Okay. So that one you can kind of dismiss. But where it is interesting and where it, I think it does have impact as early it was before as early on, is it's clear he isn't asking permission. He's not saying, I gotta feel I gotta tell you what you mean to me. Like, all right, like oh, is that okay? Like question mark. No, it's a declaration. It is, it is, he is not asking permission. This isn't a meek person uh, meekly finally getting up the courage to tell somebody what they mean to me. And they're like, no, look, fuck that. This is what's happening. You see? Yeah. So so I think I think it's 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 neat because it's it's a, it's a genius way, like I said, for it to be a device to wrap up the song in terms of how it's gonna sound phonetically and put a bow on it, like I mentioned. But it's also a very simple but very effective way to make that declaration. So it's, it's, a, it's a very, very smart way of doing it. Yeah, that's definitely a pattern throughout most of the song to accentuate each line with all right. And yeah, for sure, to your point, it's not a question. It's a, it's a declaration. It's a statement. He's just It's just an add-on to the end, yeah. um, to your point. And the one other thing I thought was kind of fun from a lyrical perspective like analyzing it like a geek white might do which is what i do on my show <laughs> right. so like in the first verse he says it in the first three lines and then doesn't say it in the fourth line i, I want to think or i think about it baby all the time it feels so good it must be a crime i want to do it baby every day and then on the fourth line in the bed on the stairs anywhere he doesn't say it in the second yeah. verse, it's the opposite. He doesn't say it at all for the first three lines. I could be guilty for my honesty, but I've got to tell you what you mean to me. With you, I swear I'm a maniac. But then he says it again in the fourth line. You see, it ain't no joke. So uh. when I hear that, I say, when you see, you see, it ain't no joke. It, if you kind of replace it with sex, you see, it, sex it ain't no joke. Digital. Just a natural fact. You're right, though. It, it does seem intentional. I, I, I hadn't picked up on that, I guess, in terms of 
uh, I, I won't say haiku, but like you know, he has a, he has a, a a little way, a little a little patterns of of things that I that either things had to either be pointed out to me or I was able to maybe kind of figure them out, but not until much later or like kind of on my own. But that one I had never had picked up on, I, and I think that's interesting because. Uh, you know, it's almost like he he purposely overset it just so that in the next line, not to say it at all. Yeah. You know, and it is such a, uh, you know, I, I won't I won't uh, uh, um, digress or veer off into a to a to a something to, to gentle here, but uh, professional wrestling fans out there will know that there's a wrestler named Chris Jericho who, uh, very famously people were saying about like, you know, the idea with the fans is to get over. You have to get over with the fans. And he could get any he could get anything over. In fact, he could get the the, the word it itself over. And so there was this whole um kind of, you know, wrestling uh storyline there where he actually was able to get the word it over with with the crowd. Um so I, I use that as a reference uh, you know, in terms of that it has has but the word itself, not the song, but the word itself has is so innocuous that it has potential to be played with, uh, and and I like how playful he was with this there in that in that context. Yeah, definitely playful uh, potential to be playful, and that line you see it ain't no joke, just a natural fact. You can imagine somebody said saying to him, "So what is it? No, what is when ain't no joke? It, but yeah, but what's it?" <laughs> It ain't no joke. Well, yeah, but what? It's kind of like that uh, line from Purple Rain with the. Um, that was my next uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. What's the password? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of what's the password? What? Yeah. What? What's the what's password? The password? <laughs> <laughs> so That's this so, whole like yeah. yeah these little like I got it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's kind of how you can think about that line because sure. the song doesn't seem like it's got a lot of humor in it it seems really kind of serious it does, some it, does right. it feels like a serious song uh but you know prince still like to inject humor and maybe the humor i'm just pulling out of it unintentionally who knows but but, but there, there's a lot of things like that too like i mentioned the beatles earlier was because like if you think about around the world the day just right before that how around the world the day kind of has a very psychedelic it almost has this kind of like beatlesy lucy in the sky with diamonds type kind of deal and and really crazy lyrics like you know um walrus scumble you, you know just things like that doesn't make any sense he played with that a lot especially like in a song like like uh like tambourine like those lyrics oh, yeah. don't don't you know they sound cool and they sound neat uh, but like, what is, uh, I don't Trolley care. cars chasing 17 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care for one night stands with trolley cars who juggle 17, like juggle 17. Yeah, yeah. I, that is very, to me, very Abbey Roadish to me, you know, and, and, in that sense. So, um, you know, I, I feel like that, that anytime you're going to do that, uh, you, you, you know, nobody does that without a smile on their face. So I, I kind of feel like that this, this is a way to be the opposite of that you know this is a way to be totally like he was very interested in that at one point very just very briefly right before that and then suddenly he was now not interested in that at all you see my point you know yeah Yeah. um so then moving on after that verse we get the chorus again i want to do it baby all the time all right because when we do it girl it's so divine all right and then here he says just repeats doing it doing it doing it, doing it, before we get the guitar solo that kind of um, 
smack dab in the middle of the song, we get a guitar solo, which is a pretty good guitar solo, I would say. Uh, it's it's actually welcome because it kind of breaks the monotony if you're if you're trying to or if you're feeling like the song has been very very samey throughout this period, and you get this guitar solo, it's like ah, cool, something you know, a new musical burst. Um, I'm, I'm into that. You know, I dig the guitar solo here at this point, personally. Well. Well, you know, I mentioned I talked about, talked about a little earlier about automatic and, and like Bob George and stuff, whatever. You know, like that little that little thing he does at the end of Bob George, where he kind of kind of lays in this real kind of real almost eerie. Speaking of the Beatles, almost a, a very chaotic George Harrison-y almost kind of a guitar thing there at the end of Bob George. I, I like to mention automatic because automatic is very samey for nine minutes, but for me, that's why that's why it works. Do you know what I mean? And there's a single break in in automatic around the seven and a half minute mark where it's there's no lyrics and it just goes everything just kind of comes to it to a stop and starts up again like when it goes that there's mm-hmm. that dun, 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 yeah yeah and then, and, and then off you go and it and you're just like that is that, to me that is like the greatest like break ever and and his stuff I look at this guitar solo similar in that way because it is saming, it is why it works, but it's not, it doesn't go, it doesn't feel like a solo. It doesn't go over here. It doesn't feel formulaic. It doesn't take you out of it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just more of a, it's just more of the pepper on the steak, man. You know what I mean? It's not how guitar solos are typically designed to, to do. You know? Yeah, yeah. The drum machine and synth line that goes throughout, that permeates throughout the entire song, is still behind that guitar solo. It's not like he changes the music behind the guitar solo. The guitar solo is just placed on top of the music that he was just singing over before. Um, so you know, you're right. He doesn't really veer off in a vastly different direction and 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 take a different um, path for this song. It's just I was doing this. I was singing over this this synth line and this drum machine now i'm going to play guitar over it and now we're going to return right back to where we were right where we left off totally and where he left off and and almost to the point where he like okay let me back up because he repeats the same lyrics after the guitar solo that he sang in the second verse i could be guilty for my honesty but i gotta i gotta tell you what you mean to me so he repeats those two lines out of that he doesn't say with you i swear i'm a maniac again but he says i could be guilty and I got to tell you what you mean to me. So he, once again, it's like he wants to just like previously on it. <laughs> he wants to <laughs> right, right. remind everybody where he left off before continuing on the song. And, and actually, you know, at this point, I don't know if you notice, but there's times in the song, not just at the end either when it's more obvious, but you hear him kind of like whispering, almost like sinister come on you know like that in the background it's a little unnerving Uh, it's almost it sounds like he's really like he's possessed a little bit and and i kind that's again that's kind of why i feel like this song is trying to or you know the intent is maybe to convey an obsession to the point where he's he's 
almost being a sex pest, you know, just like trying to get somebody to sleep with them. Come on, come on, you know, and maybe <laughs> right, that right. wasn't the intent, but that's kind of how it comes across to me, at least in 2021, maybe in 1987. It just seemed like, you know, maybe a little less sinister, but I don't but, know. But again, I don't mean to bend the narrative to my own, again, my own agenda, but I just feel like the when he says, I got to be, uh, you know, I got to tell you what you mean to me. Uh, or like with you, I swear I'm a maniac. There, there's something about when I hear that to me, where it, it does not feel like he is speaking to one single single person. Mm. I, 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 to me, I, 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 when I hear it, I'm not picturing him in bed or talking to one specific person. You know, probably a girl. Uh, you know about these feelings that he's bottled up inside i don't i don't that has never ever occurred to me ever like to me it's like in 1987 when he's saying this stuff to me it's like it's a middle finger it's a it's a it's a complete and total rebellious act uh that he is not saying what you think he's saying in the song he is speaking to the public at large the recording industry at large and just to people who want to have an idea of, of what they think he is or what he should be. Like, hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't mean to turn it into some sort of like, you know, individualistic anthem. It's just, maybe it is just a simple, fun song about getting it on with some hot chick. And, I, and, and that's fine, too. I love that, too. But I'm just telling you, in my experience, even at 13, when I first heard it, that's kind of how, how I heard it. I never heard it as like, Oh man, he's about to get it on with this hot chick, and he ain't—he doesn't give a fuck. Like I've never really heard it like that. Hmm. You know? Yeah, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Uh, do you want to like expand on that anymore, or do you feel yeah, like yeah, yeah? So, so, like, but, but, but he, and here's why. And, and I don't want to be revisionist. I don't want it to be a thing because, like, no. But you know, we're we could preface this, Roy, by just saying this is this is Roy's opinion on the song because that's really all this show is. Right. That's all we do is offer opinions, offer thoughts, and with our own perspectives, what we are bringing to the song. So I'm open to it. Well, thank you so much, and that's why I love doing this. And you and I. Yeah. So and vibes so well. It's why it's so fun because you also, um, you know, you you bring a lot of this out of me too. Because I mean, like I said, if you weren't cool and didn't, and then I didn't feel, uh, you give me the confidence to do it. How's that? But yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Well, so here's what I'm thinking. Okay, so re one reason why I have to say about the revisionist thing is that all too often, and this is what I'm careful about on my show, is that I'll have thoughts about things and understand things and hear them in with my 2021 20, ears and eyes and have to stop and pause and go there is no way i ever considered this or that in 1987 no one did so like like no one what we know now about writing you know slave on his face and all that trouble he had with warner brothers no one was aware of that at, at large in public uh in 1987 right. the least right. of which a 13 year old boy in nowhere arkansas okay that was listening to it his his sisters you know i was stealing it from my sister's stereo to, to enjoy it so so i don't want to say i can't say that i had my finger on the pulse of if his plight and his uh what what he was going through at that time all i know is that that's what made it even more genuine is that i felt it you know, you know what i mean i felt like clearly the, the name of the album sound of the times feels political it feels uh existential uh that i could feel that i will claim i was uh 
you know, I was a, I was a, I was a smart kid. I was a you know a deep thinker, and I felt things in, in, you know a little bit maybe more, and was you know of course considered weird because of that. But but uh, but I, I always I felt like that it was an extension of that. I mean, you know, maybe if I had heard it by itself, uh, because I, I like the way that like like when I would hear Darlin' Nikki or songs like that, that felt. That felt like I was doing something bad. <laughs> like I was doing something. I was also a little bit younger too. I mean, I was very young when Purple Rain came out. But I'm just saying, like when I would hear those songs, I, like it would it would make me feel kind of like, ooh, I probably shouldn't be listening to this, but in a way I couldn't resist wanting to share with my friends. Kind of like what you would imagine if we're the same age that when Two Live Crew came out. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you that was listening to that and, and, and records like by Ice T and stuff like that was that was kind of our our middle finger to you know we're we're gleefully getting away with something. So uh you know so so to get back to, to it, uh I feel like that that you know again, you know, I didn't hear that song is like I heard Darn and Nikki like, oh man, I can't wait to share this dirty song about having sex with my friends that's so naughty, you're not gonna believe it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. the bar had been raised by that time. Maybe I was older, but I just felt like that, you know, and, you know, and if I had heard it without hearing the title track or the whole album as a whole, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why, if I, if I would have still have, have, have only heard it as just like a little sex anthem, but there's just something like I, I can't, even without trying to be revisionist, there's something I cannot separate about this song, it without the color of the album cover, the way that it looks, and the way that makes me feel, the 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 way that that uh, you know that baseline at the beginning of Sound of the Times makes me feel, it just it, it feels the same way. It feels cold. It feels dark, and it feels awesome and defiant, like gleefully defiant uh, in a very very masterful, simplistic way. That's how that, that, that's how I, how I feel about that. Yeah, alternate takes and personal perspectives are what the, the show really is all about other than just dissecting Prince lyrics and seeing if we can come up with anything uh, interesting or new to myself or my guest at the time so yeah that's cool that's cool thanks Roy hey, of course I think that's what was what's important to me uh, about this song, it, and I also think that's why it's also it became so influential as I talked about in the thread as well, is that uh, as weird as the album gets and it goes all over the place, not all of them lend itself uh, to influence, and uh, and and I think that that's that that's why it became so influential because like I said, it's direct and abstract somehow simultaneously. Yeah. Um, so then, if we move on through the song, <clears throat> we do get the chorus again, and it's kind of an extended version of the chorus. And he's got his vocals and behind his own vocals, so he's got multi-tracked here. I want to do it, baby, all the time, all right. Because when we do it, girl, it's so divine, all right. I want to do it, baby, all the time. You see, it ain't no joke. It's so divine. 
I want to do you, baby, all the time. Because when we do it, girl, it's so divine. So he's kind of repeating some of the same lines that he's already sung earlier in the song as part of this chorus. Uh, not much else to say about that. But I do want to talk about that last verse, which is a different, definitely a different structure from what he had been doing. And here he's singing it differently. It's like there's a slight musical change. It's just... want to think about it you want to think about it baby all the time and then in the background thinking about it all the time and he says in the forefront fucking on your mind so you know, <laughs> he doesn't um play around with the language and he, he is much more blunt in this verse by saying fucking on your mind yeah. feels so good must be a crime okay so what what i thought was interesting here is how he changes the pronoun from me or i to you so in the first two verses he's like i think about it i want to do it i could be guilty i'm a maniac here it's you want to think about it you want to think about it right right you know he's saying fucking on your mind not my mind your mind so (laughs) uh, it's almost like he's using like a jedi mind trick to on his prospective uh, mate here and trying to get her to get on the same page as him basically (laughs) uh and and telling her what she's what she wants to do and being very forthright with it like it's not just me that wants to do it all the time that wants to do it now so do you and that's kind of what he's saying here well you know i have always i've always liked that about him or i found it interesting that i don't think that he would know not how to do that and i I think that that's what makes it feel so real is because it's so natural I'll make a comparison for you. Whenever you hear songs that are usually typically about sex from a male perspective, they're always, let's say like in a hip hop song or even like maybe more of a kind of an, a raunchier uh, or like, a, I'm sure you, you know who Cool Keith is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ultramagnetic right, okay. MCs. Yep. Right, right. Dr. Octagon. Uh, yep. Right, sure. Typically when you, or even like I said, in like some Kiss song, the male perspective of, of, talking about sex is never from a woman's perspective. It's always, I want to do this, or I'm going to do this, or we did this and because I was the aggressor, Mm -hmm. right? If you think about it, this isn't the only example. There are so many things. Of course, famously, you know, he did the whole song, of course, If I Was Your Girlfriend, from that perspective, right? But just small little things, like um, where he whispers into her ear on, what's the song where he says, where he, he asks, uh, he goes, hey, you ever, have you ever kissed another woman on the dance floor? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, it's, it's not his style. And I feel like that, again, everything, sometimes like these lyrics, like you don't really see a lot of Prince like lyric sheets. Because I'm not so sure that a lot of them ever, ever even existed, you know. Like you know, so so many times what you're, I feel like what you're hearing is maybe something that he scribbled down right before he recorded it, and then the the you know I swear I'm a maniac. Maybe, maybe the reason why he didn't sing it again is because 
he that was the, the line that he didn't write down. He just felt, you know what I mean, uh, spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So you know, I don't think he maybe he didn't purposely say that. Yeah, and then you know, so I say that to you because when he's saying what what we're talking about now, like no, like now he's putting it on her. Uh, not in a creepy kind of grooming sort of, like you said, kind of like, you want to fuck me, don't you? Like, you know, like he's not, you know, because, uh, uh, of course, you know, he's Prince. He doesn't have to ask anybody, that, you know, he, he had any sort of shortage of potential, you know, suitors. Um, but I, I felt like that, you know, it goes hand in hand with his style uh, as a person, not music, is that he's not excited about sex if he has to dominate them to have sex, you know, mm -hmm. or if he, which is crazy because he's notoriously controlling, you know, but like the narrative always seems to be in the lyrics always seems to be this thing of where like, it's okay. You know, you're nasty. You want to fuck, right? You want to be that, you know, wear lingerie to a restaurant. It's always this, I'm going to liberate you. Like I know that I can be liberated as a male about sex, but you as a female, not so much. Let me be your liberator. That's what I get from that. Yeah, and it's also that that point is even driven home more because he puts this in the, the really like the last set of lyrics of the song. So he's kind of expressed his own desires and his own thoughts throughout the song, which maybe uh, allows his female counterpart to feel like, okay, well, I'm not alone. Uh, he's already gone out on a limb. At least I could do is meet him halfway or at least express the same sentiment with mine. But of course, he's not singing from her perspective, but he's kind of like putting words in her mouth in, in some respects. But he's not doing it in a way like I don't think that's, like you said, creepy or um, troublesome. It's more like he's already gotten this from her and he's just telling us as the listener yeah, yeah. What, he's, what he what he has already gotten the vibe that he's gotten from this woman. But just but we're talking about a guy though. I mean, I mean, like you're saying it's not problematic, you know. Like we're talking about a guy who uh, apparently what you're hearing at the end of uh, of of come is the is an orgasm is something very real. Like I mean, it, it, he's he's encouraging a person to feel the ultimate. Uh, expression of joy and euphoria, and he's recording it and sharing it, you know, mm -hmm. not behind her back, you know, clearly with her permission and encouraging her not only to come, but to come harder, to come the hardest, you know, like, yeah. you know, so, so when you're hearing it, you want to do that. You want to, you want to be, uh, you know, you don't want to run from that. It's not, it's not problematic. It's, uh, again, it's, like how you know it's liberating it like he's a liberator like he liberated her how maybe i want to be a liberator too you know i want to you know i, I want to be a giver uh as compared to a taker and that's yeah. and, that, and that's what i like about that that he's he's giving he's not taking yeah he's he's giving her the freedom to have as much fun with sex as he's having and yeah, by telling right. her like it's okay you can you want to think about it it's okay you can think about it there's nothing problematic about it. It's just real. It's just natural. Yeah, it's very, it's very straightforward and real and natural to your point. And no, the, you could put the song on, and even the the you know uh, fucking on your mind line. It's it's not said so 
brazenly that it's screamed or said in like a vacuum. It's just part of the song kind of flows in. You almost miss it if you're not really paying attention. Yeah, for uh, sure. You, you could easily miss that he even swore in that song if you're not really paying close attention to it. Um, so, you know, to its, uh, to its effect, it, it, ma- it, it makes it, makes it seem less, um, explicit and, and just more of a, an expression of, of lust, sex, obsession, and how that can liberate somebody, I think, um, being able to admit that, admit that you like, if you like sex a lot, why, why not admit it? What's the, what's the fear that you're going to be judged that yeah. you're going to be considered a a slut, a whore, or you know, a, a man whore, or whatever they call whatever the man equivalent of that is, right? Um, right. And just that's that, that fear of judgment, that fear of judgment from society, and and Prince up to this point through ni- up to 1987 had never really made made it a secret that he enjoyed sex and that he enjoyed singing about sex. So to put a song on an album called It, it for it to be about sex is not shocking it's not surprising and but what it does is especially with that towards the end of the song when he's kind of putting it back on the the woman it allows you know his freedom of expression that he's experienced and that he's um you know allowed for himself throughout his career you know other people can have it too it's kind of like where i'm getting from that as well like you can have this kind of freedom you can have why why be afraid you know don't be afraid to admit if it's something that you think about and that you want to do it's okay and so that in that way it is almost like a uh, empowering song in some ways yeah yeah for sure Strangely for sure enough <laughs> all right well i think at that point you know the the any new lyrics are done i've already talked about how there's that whispering in the the background and that's kind of how the song ends you hear him speaking lines kind of in a very low in the mix sort of whispering uh he says the come on again multiple times you hear some lines you kind of like you're not exactly sure what he's saying but then you hear some some words that sound similar based off of the previous lyrics and so i think he's just kind of repeating lines from the lyrics or maybe ad-libbing a little bit but uh it's basically the same sentiment that he's expressing here through out the rest of the song at this point and and it's more of like just behind the music a little bit and and low in the mix Any opinions on that, Roy, or do you do you agree yeah, with yeah, that? I do. I do agree with that. I, I, I think that you're right on the money there. I think that that again, like I said, there was this. It, it wasn't overthought. You know what I mean? It wasn't thought out at all. Um, in terms of you know this epic type of of, of plan of of how to make that work, and I, and, I, and, it, and it feels spontaneous. And I think that you you frame that well in the way that you said that. Yeah, it does definitely sound spontaneous to me. Yeah. All right, but yeah, that's it. 
that's the song in a nutshell. So we we kind of covered it, and we talked about some interesting things with this song that I didn't think uh, places I didn't think we were going to go, which is cool. Hell, man! Awesome. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. My pleasure. Thank um, you for having. Do you have any final thoughts about the song that you haven't already expressed that you want a chance uh, to do? Well, not. Uh, I haven't expressed them here, but I, I did want to encourage people. I guess this is my plugging moment. Here is that. Uh, not only if you haven't uh, uh, seen the the Twitter mega threads that are hosted by uh, Edgar Cruz and and it's DJ Um from he's in the UK and then Edgar is in the Netherlands, right? You know, and they 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 host where they they pick a record, a Prince record, and then they take each track and they assign different Prince scholars from all around the world. And uh, and Jason and I happen to to be uh, a couple of of the ones that, that have participated and. Uh, so if you haven't checked that out, definitely do that. But I did something uh, with my thread when I assign you a song or you get to pick a song and you do this long thread. I actually did an audio version uh, of my, of I've done three so far. I did it, of course, was the first one, A Wonderful Day and In a Large Room with No Light. But it is the only one that I actually uh, did an audio version for my own podcast, which is called Tricky Kid Radio. Uh, that's available, of course, on all the, the platforms, uh, you know, Spotify, Our Radio, all over the world. And something pretty cool uh, is starting launching on uh, Prince's birthday on June the seventh. Uh, is that right? That's his birthday, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, I'm doing something uh, pretty awesome uh, with iHeartRadio and with uh, and it's being. I can't talk too much about it just yet, but because uh, I want to be surprised. But um, with with uh, you know, getting some information and stuff and, and whatever correspondence you would say with the estate. Um, I'm doing an extension of Tricky Kid Radio called Prince the Encore. Because I usually do a Prince episode once a year. It's because Tricky Kid Radio isn't a just a Prince-themed one. Uh, but I started thinking about it. Instead of doing one a year, uh, or, and then sometimes like two a year, and I already had like eight in the can, why not make it maybe like a like you know like a once a month kind of deal? And because I don't want to, there's so many out there, and I want it to be unique, kind of like yours, Jason's, where it's just about the lyrics or something, but where I'm not competing. It's just like a people's history. So June the seventh, uh, exclusively on iHeartRadio, and then the rest of the world, the 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 following, uh, I think the next week or the next day, look up Tricky Kid Radio presents Prince the Encore. Uh, and it's going to be a very, very special episode with lots of neat new stuff. Um, and we're going to do it once a month uh, from then on. Of course, you could, you, uh, it's its own podcast. So if you subscribe to Tricky Kid Radio, you also will have to subscribe to this one. Of course, it's free. Uh, but uh, but on um, that Prince the Encore will, is also, again, will is the audio version of the mega thread that I did to it. And what's interesting about that, what reason why I did that was because I did an entire interview with the great Alan Johannes, who was in a band with his, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, late uh, wife, Natasha Schneider. And the reason why I interviewed him was because he uh, did an amazing cover as part of, if you're familiar with the band Queen of the Stone Age, they have kind of an extended deal, like Prince has, like the family. Queen of the Stone Age has a thing called the Desert Sessions, and the label was needing uh, like a, like a B side to one of the singles, and Alan uh, put together an arrangement without the Fairlight, by the way. And the reason, and we had a great conversation about it, 
And come to find out, people are familiar with Randy St. Nicholas, who uh, she made. She was a photographer that made the the Twenty One Nights, you know, yep. table book. Yep. She directed uh, a, a video for uh, by the band Eleven from Alan's band, and Prince saw it, and so much he loved it so much, and loved them so much that the little, very little unknown fact that he actually uh, invited was entertaining the idea and was you know seriously considering having natasha and alan join and become a an extended version of the new power generation and a lot of people don't know that and it's a fascinating interview alan is an amazing amazing dude like he's just he's that guy that can he should be like the biggest star in the world because he can he he's the nicest guy he can play every instrument he can do it all and it's all so unique and well done so uh, so you can hear me actually recite the audio from the thread, and then you can hear all of Alan's, uh, my interview with Alan Johannes. So check that out. Uh, again, on uh, it's available now. Uh, that episode is on my website at trickykid.com. Uh, but again, make sure on June the 7th you're subscribing to Prince the Encore for the, for the very first episode from that. And right behind that, again, will, will be this is the Sign of the Times episode just about the song we're talking about today, which is It. 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 Indeed. <laughs> and I enjoyed it very much, uh, this conversation uh, with you, Jason. Uh, thank you so much again for having me, my friend. Anytime, Roy. Anytime. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to June 7th, um, Prince the Encore. We'll check that out for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I'm also on Instagram under DJ Tricky Kid. I have a uh, a uh, alter ego where I do the I, I jump on the ones and twos. I do, and then also on on Twitch, uh, stream is also under DJ Tricky Kid, and I do a Prince set every Sunday night, uh, playing all types of different stuff. And you know, a lot of stuff is available now. But, but how that started was was I've been a tape collector, you know, for for 20 years, and I even have some stuff that I uh, that I that, that I was very uh grateful to have gotten from brown mark and, and a bunch of the other uh people who have a lot of a lot of neat stuff so this was kind of a way of kind of opening up my vault uh so make sure you check out the twitch stream every sunday under dj tricky kid you might hear something you never heard before or live stuff or even you know just stuff that i've collected over the years uh twitter under tricky kid and the number two uh and of course facebook under uh tricky kid radio podcast and my name roy turner but make sure you go to the all-new all trickykid.com. That's tricky with a dash kid.com. Um, and you can, and obviously you can subscribe to all the podcasts on Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts, whether you're an Android or a regular user, uh, we're all there. So I hope you guys will check that out. Cool. I'll definitely put links to everything in my description Thanks. for people to access quickly when they need it. So. All right, Thank you, thanks again, Roy. And my name is Jason Brenninger. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. You can find the show just about anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Would love it if you enjoy the show to rate and subscribe. It helps a lot. And uh, also you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Press Rewind Pod. And... Um, also have a Discord. I'll put the Discord link in the description as well. And until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you, my friend. And I'm a fan of this show. So people who just heard that plug, you should subscribe. It's a great show. And it's my pleasure <laughs> to be on. Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Cheers to you, my friend. Bye-bye. Yeah.